Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Whose Line Is It Anyway, the show where everything is made up and the points don't matter. That's right. The points are like pants to Hugh Hefner. They just don't matter. (laughs) Welcome to Footy Bros Match Week 3 recap and to follow the Match Week 4 prediction show. We've got a big banger of an episode to drop here for you in some transfer news including deadline day last minute here we go deals before we get into our show i just want to give a little life perspective for everyone out there listening uh sometimes life happens it it do be like that uh on monday august 28th 2023 Uh, I, Brandon, your host of this amazing show, was laid off from my profession at Farmers Insurance. I am currently unemployed. I am for the streets. Uh, 11%. (laughs) I didn't tell you this, did I? selling his body on the corner. I am, bro. I am selling myself out there on the corner for cheap. 11% of the entire company was laid off. That's one in nine people for all you math folks. I still got the accounting in my brain. Um you know, put me in coach. I'm a very hireable, but, uh, one in nine were let go. 2,400 employees were let go due to a negative, uh, trending economic, uh, I guess situation in our country and a very downward trending insurance industry. You can look it up all over the place. State farm, farmers, all state, et cetera, are pulling a premium out of major states like California and Florida due to horrific weather events. So uh, just, you know, wake up every day, put that smile on your face, don't take things for granted, uh, and just keep on keeping on. So uh, I will be back in the working world very soon. There are no worries here. Uh, You know, as I previously stated, I have the accounting brain and I'm very marketable. But once again, do not take this life for granted. Enjoy every day. Without further ado... Let's get week four started. So, dude, speaking of themes, I just watched a thing about it was so much fucking nostalgia. It was NFL themes and people were ranking the best ones. And it was like NFL on Fox. And then it was like the NFL on CBS. And then the NBC. And then the ESPN one. Do this. <laughs> the ESPN one, and then the NFL Network one. Which uh, those I'm not going to hum. Those are irrelevant. And uh, the nostalgia with like the Fox and CBS themes. It's like the classic. You know, you're on a Sunday afternoon at 4:30. Your homework assignment is overdue, but you have to pull up to the TV as like a 12-year-old to watch two games that you don't give two shits about because it's just that you just know football's on. Mm-hmm. And then you got your dad in the chair that's like, turn that down unless you're going to give me a beer, you know, screaming in the background. Just, oh, yeah. Absolute pure nostalgia. And although this doesn't tie to the Premier League, it's just exciting that for American sports, that the dog days are over. We have college football back. We have NFL back. The Premier League is starting. The NBA season is starting soon, which I don't follow as closely, but just that sports in general kind of all 
pick back up heavily this time of year. And uh, we got that fall, crisp weather coming. Just a really good time of year for sure. Agreed 100%. Everything about this time of year is perfect. Let's keep the vibes rolling and jump right into our week three recap. Starting with Chelsea at home at the bridge against Luton Town. 3-0, comfortable win for Chelsea. Raheem Sterling got two goals in the game. Luton never looked like a threat whatsoever. Don't really have much of a takeaway other than what we expected happened, but I got to ask you, Raheem Sterling with the two goals... Does he look like a player who is coming back to his best, or is this just one of those, it was against Luton, we expected that? So, he's been their best player the past two weeks, I, would you say? Oh, 100%. Other than, the, other than the Liverpool match, he's been their best player by quite some distance, I'd say. Well, I'm the first one to call him a snake every time and put the bias aside he's been outstanding for Chelsea in the opening games of the season and I I think he has been their standout performer yeah and I think he's if he gets it going I mean he might hit that 15 goal mark for them and that's exactly what they need from a player like Raheem Sterling who's on such big wages you think 15 PL goals all comps Mm, I mean 15 Premier League goals would be a lot for him. I think he could do it. He's at two? Yeah, I think he could do it. He's hit it, what, three, four times already? Yeah. Yeah, he could do it. But he's been their only real outlet this year so far. And uh, it looks like they're buying more players for that spot that he's playing too, so we'll see. Yeah, it's interesting because Nicholas Jackson finally got one in the game. I kept thinking, like, why the hell did they not credit Raheem Sterling for that assist? But I watched the highlights back enough times. It, his cross, his low cross into Jackson for the tap-in did take a slight deflection off uh, one of Luton defenders, so technically it's not credited as a Sterling assist, but just kind of reiterates how influential Sterling was in the game. But it's about time that Jackson puts one in the back of the net to kind of get his campaign going, boost his confidence. And he has a lot of pressure on his shoulders as the front man for Chelsea, especially with uh, Christopher and Konku out for a lengthy spell. So he needed that goal, regardless of the opponent, the opposition skill, to kind of get his, his season up and running. So we'll see if he can continue to, to, to uh, kind of lift the burden off of, of Sterling. Positive performance from Chelsea, considering the goal scored. Um, expected from Luton. Yeah, I think I think Luton kind of just reiterate what we've been talking about previously. It's only their second game, but no open play goals yet. They don't really look like scoring in open play. 
they just don't quite look like they're going to be able to keep up with the, the competition. But what this league is all about is the unexpected and being proved wrong and unexpected surprises. But I, I from what I've seen so far in, in Luton's brief time in the league, I'm not expecting any surprises uh, from them you know, in the next 36 games. I still mm. believe they're going to be one of the lowest scoring uh, point total teams to ever play in this league. I'm not even going to argue. <laughs> just no, God, I just, I yeah, concur. really just, I mean, I don't know if I'd go as far as that, but from what I've, yeah, from what I've seen, it's not, it's not going to last. It's like those high school relationships well, you had, right? They never last. And if, if, if they do, it's, it's toxic, more toxic than Chernobyl. Let's talk about your favorite team in the oh, league. Oh, no. Tottenham, Tottenham Hotspur. West Ham? Oh. Yeah, West Ham, the Hammers. Oh, they're coming up later. That's another uh, exciting, surprising result as well. Uh, is, is, uh, is Ange Ball working? Pastacoglu? Is, it, it's only a couple games in. You got a very, very resounding 2-0 clean sheet. And some of these new signings. This Udogi dude from Udinese at left back looks really sharp. Like he's walking right in the league. Uh, Star looks really good. Madison's been outstanding. And how about uh, Basuma? He looks like a player transformed. Yeah. You, you got to give credit where it's due, man. I, I don't know. Unless you feel differently. No, no. The... I think we've said it every episode so far. The football they've played is really good. I'm very uh, surprised. And I told you this in my surprise team of the year. It's going to be them. I didn't like saying it, but that's who I put. Where did you Everyone put them in your prediction? Right. Put He's been so terrible. I think I put them eighth. But I think the football they'll play is better than eighth, I guess you should say. Just the comps do good. They look better without Harry Kane? Do I just, just say it? Yeah, they look better. Yeah. Um, as a team, I think they've... I mean, maybe it's just the manager, though, because Harry Kane was their whole team. And speaking of Harry Kane, he's had a good start, but that's expected. Yeah, he's been killing it over in, in Munich so far. And yeah, like you said, he, he can just walk into damn near any 11 and just. But Basuma, Basuma, a new player, he's reborn. He's yeah, he's, uh, he looks very. His, his stamina, his uh, physicality, he, his. his um, the way he's just kind of like turning and controlling the midfield, he just looks like a player who's in control at all times. His tackling has been timed to perfection, winning duels. He just looks like a beast out there, like an absolute tank. And this is the player we thought he was at Brighton or was kind of blossoming, blossoming into. And then when he first arrived at Spurs, it was just, it was rough. Yeah, his and, first uh, season last year was terrible, you could say. Yeah, I mean, I watched a recent interview with uh, Postacoglu on the, the panel with uh, Peter Crouch and Joe Cole, and 
even Grouch was bringing it up. He's like, Basuma looks like chalk and cheese. You know, common slang over there in England where it's basically like, there's no comparison. It's like last mm. year he was so shit. And then this year mm-hmm. he's just a player reborn. So, yeah. good. Uh, seems like Spurs are, you know, the fans are enjoying it. He, uh, Paul Sakagu plays this just attacking football. Um, he doesn't mess around. I saw a clip of when he was at Celtic, and there's a guy like filming really close to the basically midfield where he was in the tactical area or technical area. And Pasacoglu screaming at his Celtic midfield, like, you know, don't pass it backwards. Why the fuck are you passing it backwards? Just absolutely screaming at them. He just can't stand it. He doesn't have time for that. He wants to go forward all the time. And, you know, yeah, that invokes risk, but. It's exciting brand of football, and that's what Spurs need, and that's what they want to see. They're tired of being irrelevant, and it's about time they actually show some kind of ambition. And uh, yeah, I think I think it's just good to see that brand of football finally being played, especially with the attacking players that they have. So good. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, good result for them uh, with the two nil. Madison and uh, Kulishevsky on the score sheet for Spurs. Uh, now to your real favorite team. Man, oh man, oh man. Um, two key, key points dropped at the Emirates for the Gunners uh, in a 2-2 draw with Fulham. It could have been worse. Weird start to the game. One of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. Uh, Saka had a rare moment of misconcentration, uh, which led to uh, Andres Pereira who kind of got lucky on the finish, to be fair. Ramsdale was in a weird position. I think he was just caught off guard, too, kind of in that still waking up, starting the game kind of phase, and was just, okay, we're Arsenal. We're going to dominate possession. We're not going to do anything stupid. And it was just kind of way up in his box, and he was like, oh, shit, what the hell is that? And he's trying to backtrack, and then Pereira kind of half lifts it around yeah, him, really. It wasn't... It. It was a, yeah, he got lucky a little bit, but still a, a poor him mistake. And- yeah, yeah. He he kind of like pulled it, and, and it was really low, and he got very fortunate, to be fair. Not a great finish, but... uh, Yeah, what 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 was going through Saka's mind there? Yeah, I don't know. Just one of those early game brain farts, especially when he's, he sees the right back run right past him, and then he still tries passing it. I, I don't know. I, it almost felt like... Um, uh... I think it was two seasons ago. Tom Yasu did it versus Wolves, and they scored off it. Wang scored off it, and it, it kind of felt just like that. It wasn't as early in the game as it was versus Fulham, obviously, but it just feels like one of those moments where you, you're like, "What? What are you even thinking?" Yeah, you know, player that level who's had the uh, I don't know record, some kind of record he broke or. He has like the most, most um, Premier League starts. in a row. Yeah. Yeah. Just remarkable at his age. Absolutely remarkable. So, yeah, I mean, a player of his uh, experience, you could say already experienced, like I'd say he's a 30 year old vet, but I mean, he has that still enough games in his belt to, to know better, but those mistakes happen. And as we will soon talk about uh, in a certain game that. Of, that involves a team that I'm a fan of. One of my own made a, a similar uh, error that we will we will eventually get to. So those things happen to the best in the game. Uh, Arsenal did uh, come back and they earned a penalty, which Saka converted. 
And then they took the lead through Enketia uh, around the 70th minute mark, I believe. And then mm-hmm. it got a little shaky because Fulham was down 10. It seemed, you know, Arsenal's at home. They're in control. It's, it's, a forest isn't going to happen all over again. No way. Where they kind of had that nervy pressure. But then uh, Paulinia dispatches a corner uh, set-piece routine beautifully into the, the, the side netting and equalizes late in the game. And, I mean, you must have been fuming. I mean, that's just, it's just can't happen was, at home. I was more mad that they didn't call the fucking straight red card on Leno for catching the ball outside of his box, to be honest with you. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to backtrack because... I watched this game, as far as keeping my eye close on it, I watched good chunks of the first half. I was kind of simultaneously watching that in the United game. Mm-hmm. Uh, United had a shambles early on, and I was absolutely buzzing. But then Arsenal, I was kind of watching, I was like, damn, this is not like their normal level, at least in the first half, as far as like fluid passing, and Fulham seemed to be winning the ball high up the pitch. But... The second half, I did see the goals. I saw when Nketiah scored, and I was like, okay, Arsenal's going to wrap this up. So I kind of took my attention away a little bit. Um, and the play you're referring to, I actually, um, I don't believe I saw. So this, that's pretty controversial. So Leno caught the ball outside of the box. Like, completely, completely outside of his box. Like, and they didn't even this show a replay before, of that at all. This was before the equalizer? No, this was the 80th minute. Right before the red card. So they should have had two oh, okay. back-to-back. Well, shit. That's a, uh, that's an interesting viewpoint. It's, I, honestly, I think it's the first time I've, uh, I've heard it. Oh, it's, um, it was so the forefront, bad. But... It was so bad. And then, like you said, the yeah, Molina that... goal shouldn't have happened. But, I mean, looking at it, the numbers-wise, we've given up the like second-fewest xg in the entire league and it's been two pretty bummy mistakes that have costed us so far so uh, it's not that i'm not upset it's just that these things happen and we just have to keep pushing when you look at the end of the game deep into stoppage time old man adama triori gets a blistering run down the line you must be thinking oh shit should have went down here we go again I think he should have. I think he gets the penalty. I think. Yeah, he should have went down. I, I prefer players doing what he did for the integrity of the game. But you 100%. know what? In that, in that moment, though, I think all of us would have like we, to win the game. And you know, the ref's gonna like make that split second call. It's yes. like just go down, dude. Just go down. Oh, I would have went down. You already know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. If he goes down, I think he gets that call. I think they get yep. a penalty, and they could damn well win that game. It, that's it's crazy. Crazy situation. Um, he went for the finish. Uh, it was, you know, pushed away. And Arsenal had a couple of really good, like, basically goal line chances at the end of the game and almost took all three points. But uh, it wasn't meant to be. And like I said, just because it's a home fixture, it's against kind of a mid to lower mid table team in Fulham who fair play turned up, but just a disappointing two points dropped really but you feel overall positive given that the types of chances given up are easily fixable is that how kind of your take from it yes we're still second favorites correct 
Shut up. Unless you're talking about Certainly. like Bayern Munich winning the Bundesliga, you better not be talking about something like that. What about a certain team that won with 10 men and uh, just made a great signing from that team that you just mentioned in the Bundesliga? I don't know. We'll see. But, uh, oh, boy. <laughs> it's a good result. I mean, just saying. Uh, that's a really, really... Uh, no, not a good result, I should say. But, oh, so you know, all just, will be well. Just, uh, just I'm going to stay on that topic real quick because you just bringing it up. I just looked at the future schedule, and it looks like Arsenal is ruining your Christmas this year. Oh, is it the Boxing Day match? It's the 23rd. Oh, 23rd. Is it, uh, where is it at? Emirates? Nope. Oh, fuck. You ain't coming to the Anfield beating us at Anfield, mate. On Christmas, that's going to be wild, too. That's going to be a banger. That's, that's going to be a bro. Those games are always bangers. Let's go. Classics, game, classic games, lots of goals. Ozil bounce. What's up? Do you remember that game? It was, I think it was around the same time that when you guys Liverpool went up two nil and then we came back three two and then Firmino scored that shit three, goal and three, three. And it, yeah, that game was crazy. In a beautiful orange, yeah, I love that game, and I, I mean, it pissed me off. Um, probably pissed you off too. Both teams felt like they should have won it, but it was just such a ridiculous back and forth game. Oh, uh, so much fun. I watched that with uh, one of our former guest stars as well. Oh, very nice. The one, one that's uh, not biased at all in any way, shape, or form. All right. What's the next game? <laughs> the, next game <laughs> the next game is your buzzing bees of Brentford versus the Eagles of Crystal Palace. This is the game that I kind of just like, meh. I, I could see the draw from but- an hour away. But I told you guys, I told you guys that this game, there's never been a winner. And I went for a 3-1, and you're Mm. like, what? And then it's 1-0 for, what, 80 minutes of the game, and then a YMCA-level slide at the goalie goal happens. It was a wild, really lame rolls in the net, FIFA AIDS goal. Oh my goodness. But a draw You'll again. Mm-hmm. Five draws yeah. out of five matches. And the, and the game played out like a draw too. And I watched the post-match interviews as comedy because Hodgson believes second half they were good enough to get all three. And then Thomas Frank was like, "Yeah, I think overall we were the better side. We probably should have won it." But throw a play to Palace and typical in a draw where both managers are just like, "No, I think I think we were the better side, or we we should have got all three. But it was more of like first half Brentford, second half Crystal Palace. The goals were were scored in the respective half that the team was in control. It pretty much was about as even as it gets. One one draw is probably the most fair result for how the game panned out. Yeah, and, and two, Kevin shot a banger two, though. Oh, dude, that's already contender for goal of the season. At least on individual play, just kind of Matoma esque, but you could argue even better. I mean, I don't know. It's it's just a fantastic move wing play and the strike was just nasty mm-hmm. great finish yeah good young player so chase who's the only scoreless side in the barclays premier league right now your favorite team that's right our merseyside rivals everton 
are the only scoreless team in the Blacklist Premier League. Uh, they scored. They probably have a lot of XG. I just, I'd, I'd guess. Um, I'm not sure how much they had against the Wolves, but they lost at Goodison Park against Wolves, one nil. Um, they did have a lot of XG against. Yeah, who was it? Was it last week? 4. I was saying seven XG zero. Goals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Mope missed some sitters. Decoy. Uh, they really have created some good chances, but Jesus, they are just horrific at doing the one thing yeah. you need to do to win games, and that's finding the back of the net. Um, they did beat Doncaster in the EFL Cup. Congratulations, guys. They got two goals there. Uh, wow. But against Wolves, yeah. Against Wolves, they, they had the higher XG at 1.34, and they st- five big chances, according to FOTMOB, five missed. <laughs> Just, they suck. Oh my goodness! I guess, yeah. I, I'm sorry. They You're suck. Loving it, huh? uh, I'm I'm fucking loving it. They they just love to clown Liverpool. They think they're. Uh, I don't think they actually think this, but it's, it's it's banter. They they claim they're the better Merseyside team, but they're completely irrelevant. Uh, they're a joke. And uh, Kaladzic, I can't even say his name right. Kaladzic, I think that's the best I'm gonna do. Uh, big tall. Beast of a striker comes in and gets a header in the 87th minute to steal it 1-0 for Wolves. And that's a big win just in the sake of they're going to be struggling all season, especially now losing uh, a key player, Matias Nunes, in the midfield, who we'll kind of discuss later in the show. But Everton now, three games played, no goal scored, six goals conceded. They are in so much trouble, dude. That They are in trouble. You can't win against home or against Wolves at home, dude. Yeah, you're you're in some deep, deep trouble for sure. Knights ball not uh, saving him this year. No, no, and you have a guy who's a kind of a defensive-minded coach. I mean, sure, he's a survivalist, but at some point you got to get some results. So I, I don't know where they expect to get those results if you're not going to get any points. Let alone a draw at home against Wolves. It's going to be a long season. So as I mentioned earlier in the show, Nottingham Forest came out guns blazing at Old Trafford. They had two goals in the opening four minutes of that game, which just stunned the whole stadium into silence. Uh, and one, you got away, a breakaway, and scored from a united corner. Dribbles the ball basically from inside his own half all the way through. Marcus Rashford is the one chasing him back. Can't he last minute he gets to him, but basically the ball is already being slotted into the back of the net. And it's one nil. And then Willie Bali on a set piece header two nil inside four minutes. And I'm just sitting there stunned at my TV. I'm thinking. 2-0 that early. I'm like, okay, United's got a lot of time to come back, but they need three goals just to win the game. And lo and behold, they did that. Of course. Of course. But one thing I want to mention about this game is there is some controversy surrounding the second goal that was scored. And to be fair, it was a cool play they did. It looked like something straight out of the training ground. And of course, in the post-match interview, Bruno Fernandez 100% denies that it was a training ground routine. It was an improv play. 
which I call bullshit. But anyway, he smacks a free kick across the field to Marcus Rashford. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's getting closed down. He has no time to shoot. He's like 25 yards out. I'm like, the hell is this free kick? Next thing you know, Bruno is kind of making a back post darting diagonal run in behind. Rashford plays the ball over the top, lands perfectly to Bruno's foot. He uh, in- hits it with the inside of his foot across the box to Casemiro for the tap-in. So if you look at the goal, when Bruno gets the ball, he's onside. Rashford plays it, times it perfectly. When uh, Bruno hits the ball to Casemiro, it's damn near straight across, but it almost looks like he's pulling the ball slightly ahead to Casemiro, and both him and Casemiro are well ahead of the last line of defense for Nottingham Forest. It's pretty close, and there's a lot of people shouting that that goal should have been offside. They called it a goal, so it's one of those that has to be indisputable, clear and obvious type thing for VAR to overturn it. I don't even think VAR even looked at it, to be honest. They didn't need to. You feel pretty clear? You feel? Yeah, I think so. You're talking about just the Casemiro tap-in, right? Yeah, dude, if you look at that, though... It looks like the ball is hit like straight across. If you look at like the six yard line as a point of reference, it looks like the ball was hit either straight or just barely ahead. Like the ball was moving slightly forward on its trajectory to Casemiro, and Casemiro's already passed the last line of defense. Do you know what I mean? So if he hits it forward, that's offside. So it's like it was it was pretty close. I guess I need to pull it up again and watch it. I think the angle that they're, they're filming it at, though, is like it's not straight down the line. It's not really lateral. It's kind of on a slight angle behind. So it's hard to say conclusively. Uh, I mean, it, kind of getting down to, to the nitty-gritty. I, I say if you call it onside on the field, you're probably going to stick with that. But if you call it off on the field, I would say you probably stick with that. I don't think it's clear one way or the other. But But Bruno passed it backwards. Does he though? I think he's more like in line or just forward. Like as far as the ball. It goes backwards. Mm. Bruno's nearly in the box and he passed it. Yeah. Hmm. I don't, I don't know about backwards. Maybe slightly, maybe straight across. But one way or another. Either way, if we're going to keep uh, talking about that game, Joe Worrell blew it for everybody. So, Oh him. my God. He pissed me off. He pissed me off on that red, on that red card. <laughs> he knew he was fucked. He's just like, yeah, I'm just going to all out rugby tackle. It's like, dude, it's, it's probably not necessary. And he, nope. he, uh, Forrest were. We're doing their thing. They were, you know, yeah, they conceded the two, but just hold your ground, take a point, which is still a huge result at Old Trafford. And he gave them no chance when that happened. I knew it was over. Um, United, you talk about bad starts. There's another team. You're at home at Old Trafford, and you're conceding two goals inside the first four minutes to a team that's going to be flirting with relegation, most likely. That's red flag concern territory. That shouldn't be happening. I would agree, um, so, but the fight back is 
definitely um, a positive to take. Absolutely. You know, you, you got to show, as Brendan Rodgers would say, you got you to show a bit of character. And they did that. They, they showed the grit to keep the, the mentality right and, and uh, get three points, which at the end of the day, doesn't matter how you get it. It could be 6-5 for all they care. You win the game, same result, same amount of points. Um, this three points was possibly the most surprising three points of the weekend. West Ham United went into the Amex Stadium and just put on a counterattacking masterclass against Brighton with 22% of the ball were absolutely looking like prime Mikel Antonio. And then Jared Bowen with the classiest touch and finish I swear I've ever seen. Just a beautiful goal. Oh, that goal and was filthy. It was disgusting. And now West Ham are second in the league. Uh, and not to mention James Ward-Prowse uh, was again outstanding. Is, is West Ham... For real, are they contenders or pretenders? Like, are they European contenders, or is this just a purple patch? We go see. Ah, uh, nah, you, you got to have some kind I of think, opinion on that. Yeah, I know, but it's only three games into the season. I think we need to settle down. I really think we need to chill out on the team. It's fun to speculate. Oh, for sure, but I think they're pretenders. But I also mm. think Deserby uh, went full pep mode and overthought that game completely. Like, just stick with Jao Pedro, stick with Veltman, call it good, stick with your normal team, but bring Ferguson in and don't mess with anything. But you brought up that Bowen goal, and that was goal of the weekend for me. It's up there. There's a few good ones, but uh, that that no, that touch and finish was just absolutely top class. Um, do oh. that in stride. That's that's top level finishing. That's top level skill. Uh, he's had a wicked good start to the season as well. No call up uh, today. Or him, Gareth or is just so he's a, it's favoritism. Yeah, how does Ward Prowse not get in over Calvin Phillips? It makes me sick to my stomach. Um, and there's there's someone that got in over Jared Bowen that shouldn't have. Uh, I have to relook at the roster, but just just appalling, really. Uh, but Edson Alvarez, James Ward Prowse. Some really good signings that some good summer business that West Ham have made, and they've kept Paqueta. So good for him for being a, a gambler and scaring away Man City. I mean, they keep him, <laughs> and they are better off for it. So good on them. Uh, the villains are still. Looking very good as we expected. With even with some of the injury trouble they've been having, they uh, went to Turf Moor at Burnley and won 3 1. Pretty resounding, comfortable win. 
uh, Maddie Cash, who just isn't renowned for scoring goals. I think he had like pre- coming into this game, I think he had like three goals for Aston Villa in like a hundred appearances, and he scores a brace in this game, which is pretty wild. And uh, he actually scored again today against a. Uh, Hibernian the in the Europa Conference League, so the guy is just all of a sudden a, a natural goal scorer or something. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> a good result for Aston Villa. And uh, you know, Burnley. I remember coming into the season saying, especially after they played well against Man City, even though they lost three zero, they played a good brand of, you know, we don't fear this league kind of pressing football. And I said, yeah, they'll be a comfortable kind of 13th, 14th place team. I know Aston Villa is very good, but sometimes in this league, when you survive, you get those results that people don't expect. Or you're at home, so you're, you know, you're looking for at least a draw or possibly all the three points in these type of games. Again, very early in the season, not trying to overthink it, but I don't, I don't know. They, they just don't quite... I don't know if they have enough goal scoring. It's one thing to be like really energetic and pressing and workhorses, but is a is a lack of quality going to be a problem? You know, are there enough teams around them that are not good enough that they should be okay? Like Sheffield, Luton, Everton, Wolves, for example, maybe a Forest where it shouldn't yeah, I would, matter. I don't really know. I would say the latter. There's a there's they, more they teams be around him that are poor than they are. Like like you said, Luton, Everton, I think those both those teams are clearly worse than Burnley right now. I would even... And probably you could throw Sheffield in there. Three worst yeah, teams right there. I, yeah, I would... I mean, I would say those three are worse than them as of right now by some margin. Villa's a good team. Yeah. Villa's a good team. And uh, I think I sent you some stats where since Unai Emery's come in, they've gained 49 points, which is second best in that time through 25 matches, only outdid by Man City, who have 62 points. Of course. In that That's time. remarkable. Yeah, so he's done a good job. They've done really good business in this window, I think. I mean, Diaby scored again. Yeah, what a beast. What a player. I think um, like everybody's been linked with him. So, I mean, everybody missed out on this. So, got to be disappointing. Yeah, good business by Villa. And, they, you know... They got to, like you said, since Unai Emery's come in, he's done great work with the team and scored, you know, got a lot of points in the league. Yeah, they're in good shape. I think they're going to very well compete or be in a European spot come uh, the end of the season. And I'm not looking forward to playing them this upcoming week. So we'll get more into that in the prediction show as well. Uh, So, yeah, overall, a resounding, comfortable win for, for Aston Villa. What was not so comfortable, surprisingly uncomfortable, was Manchester City, the champions, uh, against a strongly favored relegation side in Sheffield, away from home, 
Uh, Man City, I think, had 85% of the ball, something ludicrous. And it came down to an 88th minute wonder strike, or 87th minute, whatever it was. Uh, Rodri, 88th minute, to seal all three points. Three minutes after Sheffield equalized. And I just remember the City having shot after shot, chance after chance. I'm like, okay, one of these are going to score. I mean, Sheffield was putting on, for the first hour or so, until Holland scored, it was actually low-key a defensive masterclass. And I was like, is this one of those, is like a fluke, or is this going to convince me they're good enough to stay up, or is it just they're lucky because they're literally parking three buses in their 18-yard box <laughs> and <laughs> just forcing Man City to shoot from 40 yards to score. Uh, but in the end, Man City got the result. But, oh, man, that was way closer than I think anyone expected fans of either team. Yeah, so I remember texting in the Discord and um, saying, please count, because I thought they were going to call uh, McBurney offside for their goal because he was just basically standing in front of Ederson, but they I don't even know if they went back and looked at it. However, they counted it, and then Rodri, probably with his sixth or seventh shot from outside the box, finally scored it. But it wasn't outside the box with this one. And I think no, he might be the best midfielder in the, in the world right now. That's a DM for sure. Oh, I think that's easily... I'm talking best midfielder in the world. Not even just DM. You know what's crazy? It's almost hard to argue that. I mean, he kind of goes under the radar. He's 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 pretty uh, humble lad. He's he you know when they first signed him, it was like, oh, this is a decent signing, could have potential. And then every year, it just seems like he keeps getting better and better. He adds more goal output to his already outstanding defensive game and passing game comfortable on the ball and now he's adding runs into the box and goals outstanding long strikes uh to his game both feet uh yeah he's a very complete player and it's kind of hard to argue right now as far as completeness goes what a what a midfielder should bring to a team kind of hard to argue anyone in the world right now who's doing a better job in that position uh, as you mentioned, he shot six or seven times, you know, in or out the box. And he even said it himself in the interviews. He was looking to create those opportunities, make those runs, take shots himself. And he's like, finally, I got one to go in. And, you know, he's been given that freedom to, to express himself more in that way, which is just only more of a threat for City who are like, oh, they don't have Kevin De Bruyne. They're going to struggle. Well, you got the likes of guys like Kovacic. Bernardo, Rodri, you just signed Matias Nunez. You you have options. It's not like they're going to struggle to score goals, not to mention some beastly striker up front by the name of Erling Holland who gets 10 touches a game and still scores every game. I don't think they're going to have too many problems. Yeah, no. No. Um, so, Man City gets three points. Big time result. They expected it, but nothing is a formality in this league. You've got to go out and earn it. So a good three points for Man City with the circumstances as they were 
look staring down the barrel of a draw with just minutes to go. But man, we want to talk about good results, man. Liverpool is number nine. Our new number nine. Uh, with an absolute just I don't know the words. Phenomenal brace uh, coming off the bench in a wild, wild, wild game. I mean, if you're a neutral watching this, this is like early game of the season material because it has everything in it. It has Trent with a early yellow card, which is, in my opinion, soft. He kind of throws the ball toward Anthony Gordon when he gets pushed, by the way, shoved to the ground out of bounds and kind of casually two-hand tosses it in his direction. It gets brandished to yellow. Okay, whatever. And then a few minutes later, a little jab back at him. A little soft push. He goes down, looking to draw the second yellow, get the crowd behind. You know, I can see that. I, I mean, I could very well make the case he could have been sent off. You uh, should. But collectively, it would have been, collectively it would have been a soft red. That would have been ridiculous. But and then about... Wait, 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 wait. Is that not the same thing that happened to Tommy Asu? No, it's not. How? Because <laughs> he wasn't wasting time. But he got a yellow card. Uh-huh. And then Tomiyasu stops the counterattack with a foul the same way. And he, does, he, gets, he gets a, yellow, a second yellow. Stops the counterattack, though. Trent like literally tossed a ball back at a guy. And they were like, yeah, gets it's a yellow card. One. Uh-huh. But you see how soft he like dolphin dived down. Nah, it wasn't his counterattack either. He like dolphin dived. He was trying to buy the refs. You know, he knew he was home. We got the crowd behind him. Guy going off in the eighth minute, whatever that was. Like, come on, that's just not good. You know, and besides, only about twenty minutes later, Virgil Van Dyke gets sent off in what could be argued as a controversial red. But I, I, I'm not. In this situation, I'm not screaming how the hell is that? It's not one of those where it's blatant. Uh, if you call it a yellow on the field, it probably stays that. If you call it a red, it stays that. It was a very clumsy challenge by Virgil. I think he could have just used his strength and shoulder and yeah, nudged him off the ball. Great. And he decides to karate chop him, just slice through his feet, through Alexander Izak's feet, and he takes him out clean. Uh, he got the ball, he got the ball. Yeah, after he took out his legs. Uh, just to a dumb challenge. And when the ref brandished the red, I was like, we're fucked. This game's over. Newcastle is looking at a 3-4-5-0 thrashing. We are in trouble. Uh, I mean, I have faith in my team. We have a great attacking unit, and I knew we would at least put up a fight, but just because we've already been exposed defensively in the way, in the way we play, we can get exposed. And then losing our best defender... I was like, yeah, we are done. Especially after Trent's mistake Bang. minutes before that. It, it's, it's hard not to ha- have that mentality after you just saw what Trent did. Gifting an Anthony Gordon goal. And then that happens right after. So your mind is thinking, okay, this is going to be so bad. And I can guarantee 99% of Liverpool fans thought the same thing. Even the most optimistic ones. But uh, I always support my team to the end. It's not like I said, oh, I'm going to turn this off. Even though I wanted to. It was a beautiful day. Uh, I, t- I stay tuned in, and uh, Allison Becker made, I'm going to say, the save of the season against Almiron. 
who smacked it about 13, 14 yards from him in the middle of the box. Great volley. Crisp strike. Going damn near upper 90. And Allison has to just kind of quickly react as the ball is traveling past bodies. And he hits it up under the crossbar and then kind of does a late second swipe at it to get it out of danger. Just a remarkable reaction save. Eddie Howe, the Newcastle manager, said it was the best save he's ever seen live. And uh, fair play to him after losing the game the way he did to say something like that. Just shows how Allison Becker is the number one goalkeeper in the world, bar none. I don't. I, I just won't entertain any other take on that. Uh, All right, no. I, you could. No, I mean you could say Courtois pre-injury was was outstanding. Ter Stegen mm. was pretty good, but they're just not on the level of Allison Becker. No one is. Not right now. No. We are so blessed to have him. Um, especially in this game, as he it would really, panic um, out. Saved you guys last season. I think. Oh yeah, numerous occasions. He became our De Gea, and he kind of is. And in this game, he was critical because obviously, when you're a man up and you're at home, you're going to keep uh, putting on the pressure, which they, Newcastle probably could have done more. But they they still created some chances. Almiron was outstanding. Gordon was outstanding. Their wing play was was the problem for us and uh, Almiron in the second half had a, a nice low driven shot off the post that was going to be the dagger it's it's the fine margins in this game 2-0 down a man with only 15-20 to go that's curtains because they don't score that you just kind of feel something you're like okay they're not putting this game to bed we're only, we're only down by one it's like you're thinking like he yeah, has a long shot but could something happen and Klopp makes a big changes. He takes out, uh, or he puts in Darwin Nunez, Harvey Elliott, and they were outstanding. Harvey Elliott comes in and made an instant impact. Uh, we level the game. Uh, Darwin coming in from the right flank, almost no angle, not a very good angle, not a very promising angle from far away in the right side of the box. Low driven shot right off the inside of the left post. Just a beautiful world-class finish. And it's 1-1. I'm screaming at my TV. I'm like, oh my god. Even for a draw. like Normally a draw is like, okay, dude, it's a draw. But in the circumstances that the fight back to get one point would have been massive, I would have probably considered taking that coming into the game just because the opposition, St. James Park, would have been a great result. Then we're into stoppage time. And... Uh, Longstaff tries to do this like fancy flick, almost wins the game. It was like, okay. And then 20 seconds later, next thing I know, Bruno Gumaric, with uh, for someone who's very good on the ball and composed in midfield, really poor decision trying to outside foot caress like a long ball. I don't know what he was seeing. They're just taking the ball, maybe turning, changing direction, playing a simple pass to the outside. He's like, yeah, I'm going to try to Luka Modric Travella a long ball in the 93rd minute. And it, it deflects off Elliott's back into to Salah's path. Um, and then we play uh, a ball down the line to through ball, basically to Darwin, who turns and adjusts his body. 
Uh, the first one I should mention was a the first goal I should mention was a beautiful assist off Sven Botman's uh, butt cheek, and then his heel kind of flicked it into Darwin's path perfectly. It was very inadvertent, obviously. It was very fortunate, but the finish was still outstanding and uh, unlucky for Botman. Those things happen, but take nothing away from the finish. And then Darwin's like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna do this again real quick." Um, ball played through to him by Sala, perfect weight again, low and across, similar position, almost identical, across Literally poke the into the side goal. netting. Yeah, almost the same goal twice. Uh, side netting, and the guy comes in and has the best 20-minute cameo I've ever seen in my life. Uh, instant hero for Liverpool. Changes the game from zero to three points. Completely stole that from Newcastle. Massive, massive, massive result on the road. Um, I just... I just lost my mind. Like that was the best case scenario that could have happened after we saw the disaster class in the first half hour with Trent and Virgil. I just could not believe the turnaround. And I think Darwin Nunes should get a start against Aston Villa. I think you have to start him. I think Gakpo was kind of poor. And I think Gakpo should be benched for Darwin Nunes. Hard to argue that. But speaking of. Great assists in that game. Trent's was phenomenal, huh? Nah, you love that, huh? Yeah, because you want to talk about a brain fart from a, another young English player. That one is bad, too. And he kind of like raised his foot over the ball. I don't know what, he's, what he was trying to accomplish there. I don't... I, I had oh, to be was lurking. Uh, yeah, you know, he missed it. He swiped and missed that football. I, I, I think he... Had to have known Gordon was lurking. Gordon has been all over the press. Like this whole season, he's just been sharp. He looks energetic. He looks hungry. Uh, I gotta give it to video. him. Huh? Yeah, when he was pressing, uh, was that Telemans? I think yeah. from that POV. Dude, he was like, in, even in the preseason, he was in his face in like point two seconds. Like mm-hmm. this guy is hungry this season. He wants. He's got a point now to prove. Yeah, and it's coming to fruition. Um, I mean, hats off to him for... That's why they tell you as a winger or forward, always, never know, no matter what skill level, somebody will make a mistake at some point. Just keep pursuing, and you will get your opportunity. And that's what Trent did, and he's done that a couple times this season. Uh, He enjoys giving oppositions uh, goals. It's frustrating for how good he is offensively on the ball and his passing and all that. Sometimes defensively, he just... He has... He just loses his brain. Uh, I don't know. And that's why we're trying to sign midfield reinforcements and potentially defensive reinforcements, although time is pretty much out for this window, probably maybe looking at January for that, but at least getting more reinforcements to help kind of give him opportunities to kind of shift around a little bit where he'll start games at right back, slowly slot into like a deep midfield holding role and kind of rotate around a bit take some of the pressure off him, but that was just a poor play on his part. But needless to say, Darwin Nunez rescued the game. My hero. Outstanding three points, and I am feeling so damn good after that result. And like I said, we signed uh, a certain player from Bayern Munich uh, to help reinforce the midfield. Get to here shortly, and I I don't know. I, I I still definitely feel very confident for top four. Could it be better? Sure. But they can't get over 
over the moon about one result. It's one game at a time, and the Villa game will be a difficult test without our leader at the back. So that's going to be a, a tall uh, order, most certainly. Um, I want to say is what do you what do you think about Darwin Nunes as far as he got two goals in this game. We don't know if he's going to start games or if he's going to uh-huh. continue to be rotated by cop. So it's difficult to call, but how many goals do you think he'll score in the PL this season? How many did he finish with last year? Nine in the, in the premier league. Yeah. That nine sounds, sounds about right. Yeah. And he's not starting a lot of games. He had nine goals, three assists. I'll give him... Fourteen. That's a really good season, I think. You would take that, correct? Mm. I'm taking sixteen. Oh, okay. I'm about twenty. Fifth, yeah, fifteen, I somewhere think, in there. That's, I think that's more than reasonable. It's, it's, yeah, it's a pretty solid season. I, it could be higher. I, I just think Klopp isn't going to start him as much as I'd like, regardless of how well he performs. I think just because of the chaos and sometimes the football brain, the man is so good for getting him behind, sliding the ball in the net. Like that's what he wants to do, pace, and so he's a threat. But from starting games. Zero to ninety. Uh, I think sometimes his football intelligence isn't always there. Sometimes the touch is off. Like there was one, I think Jota played a ball in over the top, and he was in behind, and he took the touch like inside or behind him. I was like, dude, he could have had a hat trick. He was perfectly poised to go in behind the defense if he takes it in stride, and his touch was like well, you know, behind him. I was like. Damn it, bro! You, you know, in, even the commentator—I think it was Jim Beglin—was um, like, "Yeah, if he if he hits that in stride, he's gone. Like he has a goal-scoring chance, especially with his pace. Anything in stride, and defenders are in trouble. And that's the big threat that he offers. And uh, yeah, I, I think he has at least fifteen goals this season comfortably. He did he lead the league in? I mean, other than. Early Holland last year in missed chances. Missed chances. Don't even. Oh, God. Did he though? Yeah, probably. Most barn doors yeah, hit. So, I mean, yeah, I don't. That just means to say that <sighs> he gets there and he gets the a lot chances of chances are there for him to score those goals. With Firmino gone, yep. I mean somebody, and it doesn't look like Gakpo likes scoring goals. So. Yeah, Gakpo was one of the players in that game. For me, he was one of the worst players on the pitch. I think he looked a little lost. Gakpo should have been really subbed involved. off instead of Luis Diaz. I said the same thing, and a lot of Liverpool fans said the same thing. I was reading a lot of that on, on socials and in fan reactions that I Luis Diaz came out sharp, and even he looked surprised. He's like, what the hell are you taking me off for? Uh, almost created a, a solo goal on his own with a nice run inside and, and poked it for a good save by Pope, but yeah, Gakpo was kind of just lingering around. He wasn't really offering much at all. Um, had some rare kind of bad first touches, which is 
one of usually the better parts of his game. And and also, I think people need to give Endo more time. We signed the guy for sixteen million from the Bundesliga. We never expected him to him to be a superstar. He grew into the game. He has some f- in the earlier parts of the game. I noticed he was very cautious passing backwards. Had a couple of loose touches, and then as as the game went on, he kind of made started making a little bit more forward uh, penetrating passes. Kind of grew into the game a little bit, but I mean. He was never supposed to come in and be a zero to ninety six for thirty eight games, and and that's why, you know, we're we're trying to bring reinforcements in. But he's a solid rotational player, a guy who reads the game well. He's not the quickest, which is a little difficult as far as this league because it's so quick. But he does read the game well, and he is good in the air. Wins a lot of duels, uh, which is good as well. So he he does enjoy doing defensive type of cleanup work which is kind of what we need in our midfield because we kind of have more attacking-minded type of uh, midfielders at the moment in the team. So 2-1 is an outstanding result. I have um, one thought on Endo, is that after you sign another midfielder, he will not play much. I just stepped on my cat. Hopefully it picked up that in the mic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, probably not. Hendo to Endo. I don't know if he expected that. It was funny because like in the behind the scenes like Anfield introduction video for Endo, Klopp goes up to him and pats him on the shoulder. He's like, we need you. It's like, damn. It reinforces. He, it's, it's no doubt. It's no. There's no hiding it. We need the the reinforcements in the midfield, and he just kind of smiles as if to say, like, "Okay, I, I got you. I'm going to put in the work for you guys as much as I can." But yeah, I, I don't think, I don't think he ever expected to be a, a a continuous starter. And I'm glad that we have him on the bench as a rotational player because he'll be a great option for those types of games where we need to just hold it down for the last twenty, thirty if we're up in a game. Type of type of player. Mm-hmm. I can agree with that, but he's not the guy who's going to push you from top four to winning the league. I'll tell you that right now. He's not that guy. I mean, he's sixteen million pounds. You know that about says it right there. He's thirty. Yeah, it's not FIFA. He's not going to turn into twenty-seven pace per murder in a year, yeah. I mean, he's only gonna. Instead, he's gonna be like forty-five pace. Still faster than you. Fa- oh, way faster than me. He's fast as fuck, boy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's uh, let's end the recap with some "Here We Go," shall we? Fabrizio dropping the bombs. Uh, we got some transfer bombs to share since the last epi. There's a bunch of them. Let's go, I guess in no particular order, I'll just go through the swipes that I screenshotted. Uh, how about that Matthias Nunes guy from Wolves? Uh, he is agreed a deal around 60 million uh, euros value. And he, he kind of pushed hard to make this happen. He sat out training for like two days in a row. He basically uh, went on strike. He's like, yeah, I'm, 
if you guys, I'm done. I'm just going to sit here until this goes through. I'm, I'm, my heart is set on City, so he, he kind of forced his way out the door. You can have your opinions on it one way or another. But City are going to get their man. And in my opinion, it's a solid piece of business. Is he going to start every game? No. But he is a very quality sub to bring off the bench. I think he ends up taking Kovacic's spot, honestly. Whoa. Yeah, I think they they basically kind of play similar roles. And, yeah, I don't think Kovacic is going to be as good as I first thought he was going to be there, honestly. I don't know what it is, but... I think he plays almost too many sideways passes and backwards passes and not many penetrating passes for them. Yeah, he takes a couple of dribbles and presses forward really well sometimes, but that's about it. Maybe once a game, I think he's the one that's going to be replaced in the squad. Damn. You know what happened? He played at Chelsea too long. And they just put, you know, he's playing that boring sideways ball. And, yeah, uh, I mean, I don't blame him. He was kind of restricted, and now he's he's either going to, Pep's either going to give him the time or he's not. As simple as that. Uh, it'll come down to training and probably the next couple of fixtures. But he'll play. He performs, I mean, I'm not but, saying that he's just oh, not going to. He's quality. He his day. Yeah, yeah, no. He'll, he'll regardless, he'll get a lot of time. He's quality on his day. Uh huh. How about Aston Villa though? They've already made great signings with Diaby, Pal Torres. Um, there's a third one I'm missing that was quality as well. Um, oh, Yori Tillemans is on a free, but uh, they got Langley from Barcelona, and it's kind of a it's a loan deal and it's smart business because Tyrone Mings got a long-term injury, and they just needed someone who was not necessarily you know, top, top, top class, but someone who was experienced and a solid player to come in and just provide that replacement. And I think it's a perfect signing for that scenario, especially because they had little time to make it happen. I, I guess when you look at it from that way, I can see it, but... I think you he is up. trash. El Basura. This season uh, with Tottenham just... was terrible. But he's and... for Unai. Yeah, so I mean... I don't see it working out with him, honestly. But I also don't see mwah, him playing mwah, nearly mwah. as many minutes as he did at Spurs last year. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, they, they, they still have uh, Ezri Conta and then uh, Pau Torre, so it, it, probably not going to walk into the starting 11, but worse comes to worse, something happens to one of them, or in the cup ties. Carlos, um, Callum Chambers. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I said Callum Chambers. Moving on. Shit. <laughs> 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 Uh, this one pisses me off. Cole Palmer 
from Man City to Chelsea. The Man City apparently don't see Chelsea as a threat whatsoever. They're like, hey, we took Kovacic from you, so eh, you guys can have our young developing talent, Cole Palmer. He was hilariously compared to Mikhailo uh, Mudrick in a meme where it was like stat comparison. Basically, both have played around 20 PL matches, and they both have like one assist, one goal, like terrible stats. But I mean, Cole Palmer is, I think, like 20, and he has shown flashes that I think the ceiling is pretty high for him. Uh, I still don't understand what Chelsea's model is. They're just signing all kinds of people, and they're getting some good names, don't get me wrong, but there just seems to be no model there. I don't really know what to make of this signing. It On paper, it's a good signing, but Jesus, dude, they're just going crazy. So... My thoughts are either Chelsea get a young, developing English baller, or he is finished. And that's about it. Either he's going to go off and continue his development at Chelsea, or it's over. And that's the last we saw of Cole Palmer. Show 2.0. Yeah, who's at Nottingham as of an hour ago, so good luck, have fun. Mm, 40 million plus a fee of 5 million in add-ons, so up to 45 million British pounds for Cole, Cole Palmer, for Chelsea, who just wow. continue to Me spend share ridiculous amounts of money. You and Cole? Yeah, me and Cole Palmer share a birthday. I mean, I'm seven years older, mm. but yeah. Damn, does that make you feel older shit? You see all these players coming in now, and they're like beasts, and they're like 18 years old. You're like, fuck, born in 2006, yeah, 2005. Like, God, Lee. Like, kind of going back to when you were talking about college football earlier, that's kind of why college football stopped being so passionate for me, because I'm older than every single person out there. But then I'm almost <laughs> older than every single person in the NFL now, too. Like, fuck. Yeah, no, it's messed up. Like, yeah, when I was on my couch listening to these themes, come on, these guys weren't even popped out yet. They weren't even thoughts yeah. yet. I was like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, if I'm playing professional footy, you know, I'm 30 now. If I'm playing professional footy, I'm considered past my prime or in the late part of my prime. It's crazy to think that. It's like, oh, we don't want to sign you. You're 30. I'm endo. You know, I'm kind of like mm-hmm. that. Kind of like that. Oh, he's almost finished, but he could be a useful asset for a team as a squad player. Kind of age. It's like, well, shit. Just crazy to think that. I still feel like I'm 20, but um, that is the the element of time, folks. That's how that works. Uh, what else do we got? You're an accountant, not a scientist. Right, right. Just stick to what I know. Joao Cancelo. <laughs> Joao Cancelo. Uh, this is not a here we go. I don't believe as of yet. The latest I have is I think as of like a day ago or eighteen hours ago. So um, at the time of recording, it's it, the, the structure is being worked out with him to get a loan deal to Barcelona. And due to financial fair play issues, there's more than likely not going to be a permanent deal made there. I mean, Barcelona every freaking year struggle to register players. They have financial fair play issues. Every year you hear about a player that might have to get sold in an emergency or released. Uh, 
famously a year or two back, they sold a bunch of their TV rights just to get mm-hmm. a bunch of revenue. It's it's a wild thing to happen at such a big club, but uh, Joao Cancelo, more likely than not, after he was just uh, playing with Munich, will be likely loaned to Barcelona with Man City just kind of keeping their faith in Kyle Walker, extending his contract. I mean, he's one of the top in the league, and he's not declining anytime soon, so it's kind of hard for him to get a place right now in the team. It's understandable. Uh. Romelu Lukaku, I only brought this up because this is Serie A, but he is still technically a Chelsea player, and he's getting loaned to uh, AS Roma, just kind of getting bounced around the Italian league. The guy who infamously missed four sitters for Belgium in their World Cup match. Ah, that's Lukaku I know. Just, that uh, is the worst performance I've seen in like the last year. Oh my god! So I'll never forget where I was in when that game happened. I'll never forget it. <laughs> I'll never forget where I was. Yeah. So who? I don't even remember who they were playing, but I'll never forget that game. I need to look it up. Oh yeah, there it is. Croatia, right? I thought it was Croatia, but I couldn't remember for sure. It was a good country, but it doesn't matter. The chances that were created, he 1. missed... 1.73 XG. Yeah, and he missed like six yards, sitters left and right. Like one bounce off his thigh, hit one off the post, all from like six yards out. I'm like, Jesus Christ, this guy is paid to score goals. If I remember correctly, that was an 11 a.m. kickoff, and I was yeah 10 a.m., and I was doing... F- fucking dishes when Lukaku was just missing sitters. Never yeah, forget. Yeah. Like, you know what? I'd, I'd rather just stick to the dishes at this point. This is just... I, I just... <laughs> how do you fucking miss? Oh, uh, <sighs> Lukaku. Romelu Lukaku. Uh, fans are unbelievable and owners are so ambitious, Lukaku said, formally back to Chelsea next June. And I'm sure they'll find a way to ship him out again, but continue to pay his wages for no reason. Moving on. Non PL, just real quick, I want to throw out there Leonardo Benucci, Italian legend of the game, uh, leaves Juventus after so many years and joins Union Berlin, who is kind of like this upcoming new Leipzig of the Bundesliga in a way. Uh, he joins Union Berlin on a permanent deal, just a one-year contract. Option for further season will be included in the contract. And now, because he's on Union Berlin, who finished in, I believe, third place last season, they're in a, they're in the Champions League, and he'll get to play Champions League uh, football with them. So, still playing at the highest level, which is pretty cool. At his age, that man is old. He's older than dirt, but. Hey, he's you know a beast of a out of a defender with his thirty pace. I mean, it's all about reading the game. It's you know, you know old school cool. Um, this one is a is a good one. A, a typical Brighton move. It's not permanent, but it's a good loan move for a young player, which they just seem to get all the best young players. Uh, Ansu Fati from Barcelona. He was supposed to be their number ten. Their new the new Messi, maybe? I don't know. He comes into Brighton. He was heavily influenced by Roberto De Zerbi, apparently. was a big part of the decision. And Brighton is going to cover 
no option to buy, but there's 80% salary covered by Brighton. And with the in Julio and CISO injury, it's such a smart piece of business. It, they need they they're gonna loan out Bonanote, but I think they're gonna keep him now too to just help solidify those rotational options they have to Al Pedro, you know, Matoma, etc. Uh Ferguson. They have a good young core there. And I think that just kind of adds that additional depth that they, they need to, to stay a, a legit European contender. It's a 9 out of 10 signing for me. Yeah, so, yeah I would, I I would say so. Well, what about this one? Joao Paulinha, who was heavily rumored to leave Fulham all summer. Some of the top PL teams were linked to them. Liverpool were even linked to them at one point. I've liked him. I don't. I was going to say age, but then we signed Endo as well, but Endo was on a pretty cheap fee. Uh, he is. He has agreed terms with Bayern Munich until June of 28, so long term deal. And uh, with Ryan Grovenberg going the other way, Munich kind of needed a, a or, or preferred to have a midfield replacement right away. And I, I think it's a smart piece of business for them. We saw, you know, he obviously has experience at the top level in the league. Scored a nice goal against Arsenal. Was outstanding in the match throughout in particular. Uh, a very solid player. And I think he could slot in nicely at, at a team like Munich in rotational, at least. That's who you guys should have signed. I said it at the beginning of the window. I said it, like, again, what, three weeks ago. And you signed Endo instead as mm -mm. your sixth. So, mm -mm. oh, instead, mm. we got Endo for a really good deal. I know the age thing, but I, I like the signing that we got instead. Ryan Gravenberg, who as a here we go, has agreed terms: forty million euro transfer plus five million add-ons, forty-five million total. A five-year deal till 28, and then he is having a medical tomorrow to solidify and sign the contract before the deadline. So we'll have a midfield of Alexis McAllister, Dominic Sabozlai, Otaro uh, Endo, and Ryan Gravenberg. I, I think, quite honestly, when you ship out, what, five or six midfielders in the same window and then sign four more, a couple of them were unexpected, particularly Fabinho. Have we found a secure defensive, like the perfect CDM replacement? Probably not. But if you combine kind of what Gravenberg and Endo can offer, I think there could be enough stability there. And Gravenberg is so young. He's 21. I think Klopp can really bring him to his best potential. And I think he can truly be a box-to-box -box monster for us. He, he kind of has a complete skill set. For, for Paulinha and Gravenberg? As far as fees or like just stat contributions? No, yeah, fees. Was, you said Gravenberg's 40 plus 5. What Paulinha? Yeah, Gravenberg is forty plus five. I actually don't see in this in this particular post by Fabrizio uh, the fees. Just see that he agreed a contract until June of twenty eight. 
Um, so I'm not exactly sure what the fee breakdown is. I'd imagine it's somewhere similar, maybe a little less because of he's 27, I think, 28. Yeah, I, so he's, that would have been smarter signing, in my opinion. Still, really, I don't know, dude. I've, I li- I, I like really Burke. I'm all young, man. Let's go young. Let's go. I understand the it. young thing, but I really think he would have been the the DM that would have, like, he could have been that needle pusher that put you over the edge, in my opinion. Mm. Gravenberg plus Endo, no. Mm. But interesting. I, I'm I'm buzzing. I don't know. I I feel something. Oh, you're supposed I, I feel, to. I mean, you're of course. I just feel something with this one. I I really think if we didn't get him, we were in serious trouble. We would put way too much pressure on Endo, and now we have that re- reassuring peace of mind. It's like okay, lifts the burden a little bit. Plus, you have guys like Curtis and Harvey that can come off the bench. If Tiago and Bacetic can just stay out of the hospital, especially Tiago. I mean, he's, he's getting older anyway. It's not like we're gonna expect him to start every game, but. Just yeah. having those options is like, okay. If Bacetic can for- perform anywhere near the level he did last season, he came out and was shockingly good. It's like, whoa. If you're going to be on that level when you're in, that gives us a huge um, you know, level of comfort to, to have that kind of stability you know, rotating in the squad. I mean, it's a solid group of midfield players. When you throw Bacetic and Tiago in there, Curtis and Harvey, a lot of youth, a lot of potential, some experience kind of, you know, sprinkled in there. I don't know. I kind of like the, re- the reamped midfield. Does it lack a true, true number six DD, uh, CDM? Probably. Yes. It doesn't have like a beastly yeah, ball winner. Fabinho kind of guy. I don't see that in any of your midfielders. That's the problem. They're all like, it's. They're all eights, almost tens. I don't. I just think I think Robin Burke can be turned into that six-eight hybrid, and and maybe Klopp will make him enjoy a little bit more of the defensive side of the game. But because we press so hard, he can still oftentimes win the ball high up for us and still push forward. You know, it's, it's interesting to see how he'll get molded into that. And then plus, if we give Trent, we have a full healthy defense, we can kind of give Trent the option to rotate in as well and kind of hover in, in the center, which he seems to be better at. Because at right back, he is a liability defensively. My God, I just don't enjoy watching him defend at right back. It is it's hard to watch. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, overall, some really good transfers on the deadline day for all teams involved. A lot of good deals. Oh, I forgot to mention, uh, Sergio Regulon was signed by Manchester United after talks kind of broke down for Mark Cucurella. Uh They, they are... He got played. He's so bad. He just sits on the bench all the time. I don't, Chelsea, 60 million out the door like they care. Uh... He's loan move from Spurs, not permanent. Medical tests are already booked. And the break, basically there was a clause that wasn't allowed by Chelsea and Cucurella deal was kind of put to to bed. It's just a weird signing. I don't, 
he's I would say like I think you were mentioning before, probably better than Cucurella. So they probably yeah. have a better option. Oh, I think so for sure. Not by much. No, pretty similar, but uh, it's it's a decent backup option to have at at left back, and not to mention United is still uh, scouting, observing, thinking about, dreaming about signing Sophie Amblebat, the World Cup Moroccan star, who has been heavily linked since the World Cup, and no deal has come across the line. So. Uh, even per Fabrizio, he's wanted Man United since the end of June, and he's still waiting. Just sitting there waiting, growing old, nothing's happening. It makes sense, especially with Mason Mount picking up a hamstring injury. He'll be out for a few months or a month and a half. I don't know what's taking so long. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was going to happen after the World Cup, but here we are. Here we are, past... Now past deadline day. Congratulations to Manchester United. And last but not least, a real quick wrap-up on the transfer segment. Philippe Coutinho, former Liverpool kind of legend, in a way. I mean, he's a good player. He is on the verge of joining Qatari side Al Duhal uh, from Aston Villa. Payment terms are being discussed, and if all goes smoothly, it'll be a here-we-go and official and at uh, now that he's in his 30s and kind of showing his decline, he's just not quite keeping up with the pace of the PL anymore. Probably a logical move for him to kind of save his career. Surprised he's not going to Saudi, but in Qatar, he'll really dominate because most of the top-class players are moving to Saudi Arabia. So Getting paid, make that money. getting paid. That's right. Don't get that bread. That'll wrap up the recap from week three in the Premier League and the transfer deadline day discussions uh, as we are approaching the end of the window. Stay tuned and stick around for our week four prediction show. Don't touch that dial now.